The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next, Sheila Walsh talks with Paul DeYoung about embracing your failures and experiencing failure freedom. Somebody that's never failed is somebody that has never grown. Wow. You can't step into a new tomorrow without lessons to be learned. You can't step into marriage without having to learn lessons. You can't raise children without learning lessons. You can't build a business, pioneer a ministry, unless you're prepared to go, I must commit to failing more often and learning from those failures. Sheila Walsh, welcome to Life Today. I'm so glad you joined us, and I'm particularly glad because today I have a very special guest all the way from Down Under, from New Zealand. Pastor Paul DeYoung um, is with me again today, and I just want to say thank you. Thanks for being here. It's, it's an just... honor to be here, be with you, great friends. And uh, just to hear of what God's doing here right across America is amazing. Yeah, God's really doing some amazing yeah. things. But this other book that I want to talk to you about today, um, I love the message of this book. It's called Failure Freedom. Now, when you first hear that, you think, oh, does that mean I'm going to be free from failing? But that's not really the message of your book, is it? It's a bit of play on words. Yeah. And again, my life has always been in the church. My parents found Christ when I was very, very young. Uh, and again, positive church, great God belief, very God-centered. I don't think I ever heard a message that failure was part of the journey. Wow. And so to put failure and sin in the same sentence is incorrect because failure is not a sin. Sin may be a failure, but uh, I think personally, I look back, I've been fully committed to the things of God almost 40 years in full-time ministry. I think I lost about five to 10 years along the way of what I could have done mm -hmm. had I understood that failure was a part of the process. You tell this great story about um, one of the first time you preaches. Yeah, I mean, you're preaching and you've prepared this message. Tell us about that. I thought that was hilarious. Well, I think for all of us, we do things because of expectation yeah. and we try too hard. I, one of the first messages I ever preached, it was kind of in Bible college, never done it before. And we went on an outstation and I preached and I had... I think I was there to preach for 35 minutes. I looked at the clock. It was all over at 9 minutes 30. <laughs> and uh, filled with a whole lot of mature people. And I was red. I was perspiring. Uh, I, I didn't know what to do. So I just said, let's pray. And walked <laughs> out of that. long prayer? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't as long as it needed to be. But walked out of the church and some dear uh, elderly Christians came up and said, thank you for a great message. And I'm thinking, you're lying. Uh, and then I had my best friend who said, uh, by the way, good job. But I noted you said, you know, 35 times, here's the list. And so from feeling like that, I felt like that. And you know what I said to myself? I never want to preach again. Wow. Now, that's one of the interesting things about failure, because I can think of times in my own life where I've thought, you know, I'm not going to try that again. Um, but really... That's not the way we should respond to failure, is it? No, I think we've got a, a twisted view on failure. It's like, well, if God's really in it, we won't fail. Yeah. Or if we take this next step, God's going to meet us every part of the journey. So failure is not a part. Whereas I've come to discover, let's take Peter in the boat. Peter's in the boat with the other 11 and Jesus comes and Pete, being Pete says, bid me to come, he comes. He sinks. Our whole 
premise is like he failed. Did he fail or did he learn something that could only be taught by taking a step into something he had never been done before? And then we say, well, Jesus said, oh, you of little faith. Or maybe he said, at least you've got the beginnings of faith. Yeah, he stepped out the boat. The other 11 were still in there. And there's always people in the stand saying, I knew you would fail. Whereas I turn that around and go, I I knew that too. Because how can you take a step into something that you've never done before and not fail? So a little child, uh, we have the video cameras out. We have the iPhones today, I suppose. The first step, they fall over. They bang their knees. And yet we go, well done, you took a step. Whereas as we grow older, it's like, I don't want to fail. I don't want to fail. Whereas I would teach, and in the book I say, failure is a human certainty. If you're still a human and you are committed to taking ground, to taking new significant steps, you must commit to failing. Even in science, science doesn't term something that doesn't work a failure, they teach it as a lesson. Yeah. So I learned something for that. And I think in our Christian walk, often we're putting failure and sin in the same context. Whereas we're gonna remove the sin thought and realize, no, if we haven't been there, first time we walk on water, we will fail. By the way, God didn't give us webbed feet. <laughs> it's not a natural thing to walk on water. There was something to be learnt. So mm-hmm. he learnt, I've got to keep my eyes more on Jesus when mm-hmm. I take a step of faith. But I think sometimes we confuse God's love with, if we feel like we've done well, then we think God loves us more. If we think we've done badly, then we think God loves us less. Yeah. That's a very kind of twisted way of looking at the love of God. Yeah. You know, again, 1 Corinthians 13, we often use this in a marriage uh, kind of service. Now abide faith, hope, and love. Let's just stop there for a moment. Now abide love. Love is completely unconditional. It's the foundation of everything we do. Mm -hmm. It's the bottom line. Faith is what unlocks the supernatural. We know that. Between the two is what I call is the umbilical cord, which is hope. Hope. Mm -hmm. I can't ever earn God's love. It's there. Faith comes from him through his word. Hope is the area the enemy attacks us. So therefore, when we fail in our human existence, the enemy knows that's the only ground. He can't smite at love. Love from our Father will never change, no matter how far we've drifted, no matter how much we've stuffed up, he loves us. And faith unlocks the supernatural future. But hope, when we fail, we've got to look at failure different and say, no, I'm going to utilize that failure to teach me. Failure only exists in the present tense. Hmm. And yet we keep looking at the things that we have failed in the past and they too often rule us, rob our hope. So we can't link that supernatural outcome to the love of God. I wonder how many of us at times almost have moved ourselves to the place of a spectator in life because you know, you've tried something once and you fell and you failed. So then you just hold yourself back. Do you see that happening a lot? It's happened in my life. Really? Yeah. So we, we stopped because we weren't taught a theology of failure. Why is that, though? Why do you think we've not been taught? Well, let me say some of the outcomes. I think the outcomes is that often in the church we're not being real. Oh, amen so, there. So we have somebody even up the front, and I say this to our church. I said, if you're wanting a perfect pastor, you, you don't have that. You're going to have a real pastor that's going to talk about the process, not just the expected outcome. Hmm. And we've listened to too many people that have parked in the stands and haven't got on the field. If you, if you get onto the field, you will fail. Wow. And yet, as you learn from that failure, uh, somebody said, failure is only failure if you don't make the attempt. 
So I, I think that's true. I think we've got to begin to look at it and say, no, we're not going to allow the people in the stands that have parked yeah. to dictate the pathway of significance. Um, I think we give up because we don't understand what it takes. Uh, again, one of the first times I was in America, went to a baseball game and they have the batters and they have the point average of base percentage of getting onto base. And, and I was naive. I says, what's that point three, seven, five? Oh, that's one of the great batters, one of the champions. I said, but what does it mean? They said, well, that means that they get onto base 375 times out of a thousand attempts. Wow. So I said, just park there for a moment. Yeah. So this person would be earning millions, yes, but they get it right one in three. Whereas in the Christian church, it's like, if God's on you, you get it right one in one. That's not true. How can you get it right if you haven't been there before? And so we often park because we've got a wrong view of failure. I've realized if I want to live a significant life, I must commit to failing more often and learning from those failures. Where does the grace of God come in to help us? Because I think, um, I think of so many people who I have letters on my desk at the moment that I'm waiting to get back with who just feel like they have failed one too many times. Mm -hmm. And how do you come back to God when you've failed one more time? You can't fail one too many times if God is infinite in grace and love. Mm. There's not a register that he takes. It's like, that's why we live under the shadow of Calvary. If we have failed and that failure was sin, there is forgiveness. The cross is not limited. Then if we fail in just trying to achieve things, it's not sin, but we failed in that attempt. We get up and we learn what can we take from that? Because the moment we allow the despondency of a lack of right failure understanding, we will spiral down and then get seized in the moment. Yeah. Um, one of the things I write in the book is that failure has a need to be defined mm -hmm. and then confined. Yeah. So therefore, I've had to learn, okay, I'm not going to hide from the failure. That failure took place. Okay, I accept that. But now I'm going to confine it to my past. I've got to put it back there. If it's a sin issue, I've got to repent, get that right before God. It doesn't matter how many times I come back, I'm free in Calvary. Wow. If it's something that I did that's not sin, but I should have known better, I'm going to confine and define it. So therefore, it's going to be a stepping stone into more knowledge than I had before that. So in business, God called me to business. God called me to do this. And it's all fallen apart. What are you learning from that? <laughs> See it as a lesson. Yeah. And then get the right kind of people. Because if you have people around you that don't understand failure as part of the journey, they'll just tell you to give up. Others are going to say, no, that'll become your, your greatest strength in the future is the weakness you possess today if you process it. Because you talk about that in the book. You see that in the life of Peter. Yeah. How, and you, you contrast actually Peter, Thomas and Judas, yeah. how God redeems failure. Yeah. So failure given into the hands of God we become more who we're supposed to be? We're, we're stronger. You, you, somebody that's never failed mm -hmm. is somebody that has never grown. Wow. You can't step into a new tomorrow without lessons to be learned. You can't step into marriage without having to learn lessons. Yeah. You can't raise children without learning lessons. You can't build a business, pioneer a ministry, unless you're prepared to go. All, and I would say to our team now, if, if we sit here for three months and debrief something, and every time you're saying, oh, no problem, I go, you're not stretching far enough. If I was a coach of an Olympian champion, I would teach them how to live beyond their gift capacity into the failure zone. 
Wow. Because that's what happens. It's like, you can do that, fantastic, that's your time. I'm gonna take you to breaking point so that you know where your breaking point is, but you'll understand there's a margin between what you thought you could be and what you can be. That's where the medals are won. And it's the same in the Christian life. It's God's not looking for a perfect person. God's looking for somebody that will stretch in belief and grow in the process. It should not be, but that almost sounds revolutionary to me. I mean, I absolutely believe you're right, but I think so often within our church communities, that is not the message that we get. No, well, our own insecurities, you know, and, and I've been through that. It's kind of you get up and, oh, you've got to be the past. You've got to have all the answers. Where now I go, no, I don't. I'm just going to get up. If, if we're called to do it, we've got to be secure that we're not perfect. And so I think by setting an example that none of us arrive, but God's grace meets us there yeah. and brings us forward, enables everybody to breathe again and say, if, if it seems too good to be true, it is too good to be true. We're all human, we yeah. are human, we have a God, His grace meets us. And as I said, and as you brought up, God says His strength is made what? Perfect, Perfect. in weakness. So it's not a removal of weakness, it's an acknowledgement of weakness. And once I acknowledge my weakness, then God begins to say, well, then the enemy can't put this chain or this prison around you. You can see it for what it was, but you're gonna build what are the lessons we learn from that. Say to the team, I want you to fail. Where it comes undone is when you continue to fail at the same thing and you don't learn from it. Right. So fear of failure, I believe, is our greatest failure. Wow. Do you still have time, I mean, after all these years of pastoring, do you still have times when you walk off the platform and think, you know, my mess at that, I missed the, I missed the boat? I mean, do you still have, and how do you deal with that? Yeah, obviously I, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So I've been <laughs> riddled with that my whole life. Really? There is not a time where I, I don't look at it and think I could have done that. I could have done that. Really? There is a time in my life where I would almost internally abuse myself hmm. for those feelings. Yeah. And that was detrimental. I had yeah. to learn that insecurity stays with me. Failure is a part of the journey. So now I go, okay, so what can I learn from that? And rather than reacting to failure, uh, a good friend of mine, Pastor Brian Houston, said to me in the early years of ministry, he said, Paul, why is it when you get on stage, you're so different to when you're off stage? Hmm. And I said, what do you mean? And so he said a few things and I thought, you know why? It's because I'm trying to be something I'm not. Oh. And so when I became settled with who I am, still striving in the right sense sure. for God's gift to be outworked mm -hmm. in my life. I found a place where it's okay, okay, I could have done that better. What did I learn? Write it down, let's do it better next time. And when you take that mindset that none of us arrive, then you realize that God can meet us there. I think sometime that the voice of failure is higher in volume than the voice of God's understanding. Wow. And we've got to shift that and go, we're learning. So what did we learn today? Yeah. What did we learn in the last six months? I think I have lost a lot of those potential years because nobody said failure is normal. Yeah. And uh, failure is really failure when you don't make the attempt. But the thing that you've added that really helps me is that if I'm speaking somewhere and I think, oh man, that was awful, instead of just acknowledging that it's awful, I try and forget about it and yeah. move on yeah. as opposed to thinking, okay, where could that have been better? Yeah. That's to me the helpful the additional part of learning and changing next time. And I think even while you're speaking for me, it's, 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 something would come out and it was like, that's hopeless. 
and I would be smiling on the outside, still preaching on the inside, saying, you're an idiot, you're an idiot. I don't know if I can say that here, but... Oh, yeah, you yeah, can. I say about, it most days. Yeah, and it's kind of like now it's when something happens that I think is less than, I go, let's pick it up from here. So that's great. See, and so what do we need to deposit? So am I, am I really wanting to uh, impact the audience? Do I want to impress the audience or mm-hmm. do I want to impart? Yeah. And the impartation is just that real. The more we can be real with who we are and yeah. where we're at today and the things that aren't working is the moment we begin to find things we never found before. Mm-hmm. We're just going to be settled that we can't get it right first time around, nor second time around, nor third time around, <laughs> but we can just bring who we are. The best person we can be is a more free us. Yeah. And you talk in the book about the importance of the humility of actually asking for help. Yeah. Because sometimes in our failure, we just, we don't even want to acknowledge it in front of other people. Was that a huge thing for you, just yeah. being able to say, hey, you know what, might need a little help here. Yeah, and I think all of us would recognise we're in an outside-in world. Everything is around what's on social media. We don't show our best days on, our worst days on social media, it's always our best days. <laughs> Every movie, everything around us, It's Mm -hmm. like we live outside in. God wants us to live inside out. And when you recognise that, you're going to find people. Your vulnerability, by the way, will enable other people to get vulnerable as well. So So we're going to start that. And uh, it really helped me when I talked to Joyce Meyer and talked to Reinhard Bonnke and I just said, do you ever feel the same sort of thing like intimidated, insecure about getting up to do what you do? They said all the time. And I thought, yeah, we're all the same. It's okay that once we can look failure in the eyes and say, this is awesome. I want to fail more often now than I've ever failed before. Because of what you learn? Because of what I learned from it. That's brilliant. A lot of people, um, one of the things that I found really moving and hard um, in our pre-show conversation was you talk about a devastating accident that happened in New Zealand mm. and your son was involved in that. And sometimes you feel from something like that, how can any good come? Mm. Can you talk about that just for a minute? Yeah. Well, our son was on a school um, kind of week away and they were in a canyon and there was a flash flood and he lost instantly uh, six of his best friend and the teacher he loved. Christian school, they had uh, that morning even prayed that God would protect everything that happened. And uh, I'll never forget the night that they came home. There wasn't apparently a word spoken in the bus from where they were back to Auckland. And as they came out, you could just see the devastation. And for our son, it was horrific. Um, I think he went into a year, year and a half of the deepest, darkest valley that there were no words that could bring any consoling. Uh, You couldn't just come and say, well, God, it's it's just like, hey, God is still God, bud, but you're going to have to find him in this darkness. And we're here. And I think there are the times when we go through the darkest and the deepest, the mm-hmm. loss of a child, yeah. loss of a parent, someone, particularly in death, that passes. It, it seems no positive outcome. But after that year, year and a half, you saw him begin to emerge and it took that long. And I don't think there are any pet answers for that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think you just got to stand there with a love that says, we don't understand it all, yeah. but we're going to walk through this together. Today, he's finding himself. Again, he's starting to make headway, still got some questions, and I unashamedly would talk about that because all of us are on a pathway. But I love that you give him the freedom 
Because I think when pain is fresh, words should be few. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's so true. It's kind of, you just need to be there. Only God can bring that to pass. I think in the church, we want to have everything with a fix right. up. I know. And, and it's not like, it's some things, uh, I, I mean, think about Moses in the wilderness uh, for so long, you know, Abraham. It's like so many went through so many deep things. Let's talk about the real them and the right. real journey right. and what that looked like. Talk yeah. about what happened with Stephen's family after the stoning. Yeah. And it's it's okay to look retrospectively and say, well, God works it all together for good. Yeah, but there's a process. Yeah. And in the end, whatever we lose here in life, God has promised that he will bring it. And in the darkest of dark nights, I say to people, I think light or life works more in death than it does in life itself. And God is going to take it, take us to places we've never been. I think we can help people that are in deep valleys now because of what yeah. we've been through as a family and still have to walk through some issues with that as we all do with ourselves, mm. with our families. But failure at the end of the day, once surrendered to God, becomes a platform. Yeah. And that's the thing is we, we will see more mm-hmm. the more we get honest with ourselves and our pathways. Yeah. I think one of the greatest gifts that Pastor Paul brings is you begin to see it is okay to be human after all. And one of the things that is very much on my heart as we get closer to the Christmas season is some boys and girls around the world who are in a very bad place right now. But we've discovered some friends that will help us to take them on a whole new journey. Would you watch this with me? This season, Life Outreach wants to continue spreading joy and smiles around the world. We do this in very special ways. We provide shoes for children's feet and corrective surgery for those who suffer from a cleft palate or cleft lip condition. Not only is receiving shoes fun for the children, but it is a blessing for the mission team. Why? Because they know it helps ensure that the little ones will be protected from disease that can enter their bodies through bare feet. This is what we love to do, is giving shoes to children. Some children need the shoes because they're worn out. Some children have never owned a pair of shoes. So this is a happy day for these little guys. It's a happy day for us. As for cleft palate surgeries, did you ever think that a trip to a hospital would bring a smile to the face of a little child? Well, it can once they've had corrective surgery for cleft lip or a cleft palate. Our mission teams travel to remote locations in various countries to bring children like little Dwee to modern clinics like these. Here they receive the best of care, all because the friends of life, moved by compassion, make it possible. And once again, we're blessed knowing children and their families will experience great joy because of the corrective surgery. As this Christmas season approaches, we want to continue to bless children around the world by providing them with a new pair of shoes and corrective surgeries that give them a chance for healthy and fulfilling lives. The doctors that we work with are amazing. Um, on my, one of my first trips, when I showed up in the clinic in the morning, um, it, was, it was something I'd never seen before. All, all the doctors and the nurses and the families and the children who were waiting to get helped, they had a worship service before they even went in to surgery. Um, and to work with these um, 
tremendously skilled medical teams who love Christ and who love people and who show it in a really remarkable way. So we just want to give you this great opportunity to help us do this. You know, for a, a little boy or girl born in some of these countries, they're not even allowed to go to school if they have a cleft lip or palate because somehow it's seen as if they're cursed. And we want them to know that, no, no, they are not cursed. They are loved by God and seen by God. But you and I are his hands and feet. So for $500, we can have one of those cleft palate surgeries performed. And really, that's, it's like a whole new life. And our commitment this Christmas is for 150,000 children to have a brand new pair of shoes. For many of them, the very first shoes they've ever had in their lives. You know, it's, we provide these for $3.60. Have you tried to buy shoes for your kids recently? I mean, it's astronomical, but these shoes will last for a long time. And literally, for some, in some cases, they will save a life. So we can do it together. There's a level that we can all kick in. For $36, you can provide 10 pairs of shoes. For 72, you'll provide shoes for 20 children. And for $180, 50 children will get a brand new pair of shoes on Christmas morning. And I think this Christmas might be a little more joyful if we're not so, you know, wondering what we're going to do with all this new stuff that we've got for ourselves and for our kids. And what a beautiful thing to start with your family, that whenever we know Christmas is coming, we think, you know, what could we do this year? So this is something that you could help us with. So would you go to your phone? Just make the best gift possible. Some of you don't have a lot of spare income. Just do what you can. But when we join together, we can make a huge difference. So please dial that number on your screen. And for any gift at all, we'll send you our new little green Christmas shoe to put on your tree to remember um, the difference it's making. So please go to your phone, dial that number, make the best gift possible. And we're going to put some real smiles on some faces this Christmas. Thank you. Poverty is a killer, and because of it, children needlessly suffer, not only from a lack of food and clean water, but also from a lack of things we often take for granted, like a simple pair of shoes. Far too many children living in extreme poverty have never owned a new pair of shoes. And while that may seem minor in light of all their needs, walking with bare feet puts them at risk of life-threatening infections and disease that could lead to crippling consequences and even death. By responding today, you can help immediately secure and begin shipping Christmas shoes to 150,000 children around the world, just in time for the holidays. Your gift of $36 will help provide 10 pairs of shoes, a gift of $72 will provide 20 pair, and a gift of $180 will help provide 50 pairs of Christmas shoes for children in need. As a thank you for your gift of support, be sure to request this beautifully crafted green crystal shoe ornament, a treasure to display at each Christmas. With your gift of $100 or more, you may also request this keepsake boxed set of life's Christmas shoe ornaments. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,000 or more to help provide over 275 pairs of shoes or two children with corrective cleft palate surgeries. And you may request the beautiful Safe in the Shepherd's Arms bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. 
Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And to get Paul's book, you just go to pauldeyoungnzealand.com. Failure, freedom, understanding failure, unlocking success. This is a great, great book. But I just want to thank you once more for being with us. And our thoughts and prayers will be with you when you're back to New Zealand. And hopefully we'll come down under and see you again sometime. You need to come. And our prayer is that all of us will just be a real us. Yeah. Every brilliant. time we go down, let's step up Amen. and learn from that. Beautiful. And we'll see you next time on Life Today. I'm Sheila Walsh. God bless. Tomorrow on Life Today, four-time World Series champion Daryl Strawberry and his wife Tracy open up about the brokenness that plagued their lives. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.